In these uncertain times, it can be hard to make sense of everything that is happening across the world today. This is why the registry continues to bring its grounded and informed news coverage of everything real estate, to keep you informed and better prepared to meet the challenges of the industry. We are able to deliver the reliable news you trust because of generous readers who support our work. Thank you to your commitment to journalism, especially now. And if you're not a subscriber yet, you can join us at theregistrysf.com in San Francisco and theregistryps.com in Seattle. Today, we sit down with Rene Olivo and Chris Henderson. Rene is the president of Skyline Construction in the Bay Area, and Chris is the president of Unimar Construction in Seattle. Both are part of the larger Skyline Enterprises organization and lead their companies in California and Washington states. We talk to them about what it's like to run a construction and building organization in today's environment and to hear stories directly from their work sites that their companies operate. While the craft of building will likely remain very similar in the future, the nature of the industry is bound to have profound change. Here are Chris and Renee. People come to the San Francisco Bay Area for many reasons, a spectacular natural setting, a sophisticated lifestyle, and unique professional opportunities. Those seeking these qualities will find all that and more at Hacienda where you can work, live, and grow. A Hacienda location means having the best of everything with an easy reach, whether it's world-class restaurants, theater, and museums, the best learning institutions in the country, or some of the finest services available. That particularly applies to businesses wanting the best address to have easy access to needed resources, being among other industry leaders and knowing that you are part of a region that leads the world in innovation. The result? An unbeatable combination that leads to success. And that is what you will find at Hacienda. Find out more by visiting Hacienda on the web at www.hacienda.org. Chris, Renee, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Vlad. How are you gentlemen doing? Where is this podcast finding you? This is Renee, and I'm uh, down here in San Diego. And Chris is in the Unimark offices. In Seattle, right? In Seattle, yes. Great. So by way of uh, background, would you guys mind giving me a little bit of, um, you know, how long you've been with the company? Who is the company? Where are you guys active? The You know, the kinds of stuff that you guys do. Um, it's always great to hear that from, you know, coming from the from the speakers rather than, you know, me trying to highlight some of the important things of, uh, you know, who, who Skyline and Unimark are. Sure. Uh, let me start off. Uh, this is Renee. I actually uh, started uh, back in the construction field to getting my civil engineering degree out of San Diego State in 1992. I uh, interned for Rudolph and Sletten just prior to graduating, and I went to work with them right after graduation. I uh, was there for 28 years, so worked my way up from a project intern all the way up to a uh, senior vice president working on all the uh, regions uh, in Southern California, taking care of the San Diego, Irvine, and Los Angeles offices. I'm the president of Skyline Construction. Uh, I've been with them since the first of the year. And uh, we have offices in San Francisco, uh, Santa Clara, Pleasanton, and uh, Walnut Creek. And Chris has been with Unimark since 2012. Previous to that, I was at 
Turner Construction and their special projects group for about 12 years. Work closely with David Hayes from a um, almost a client trading sharing perspective for about five years. And uh, while I was on the sidelines, I was able to see what Skyline had done over those years. And uh, Skyline acquired Unimark Construction as of February 1st of 2020. Great. So both of you now are, uh, you know, you're at, at sort of the far end of the West Coast. Uh, Chris, you're in Seattle. Renee, you're in San Diego. Uh, the company is based in the Bay Area, essentially. Tell us a little bit about the kind of projects that you guys work on and, you know, maybe the types of clients that you usually focus on. Uh, here at Unimark, we are predominantly an interiors contractor. So we focus on commercial tenant improvement work. Everything from financial world to the uh, technology sector, starting to get into quite a bit of medical. And then we do some building renovation and seismic work as well. And for Skyline, uh, we're also interiors uh, contractors, uh, specializing in technology, law, financial, healthcare, uh, retail work, as well as uh, corporate headquarters. And just to go back a little bit, we are headquartered here in San Francisco, but our parent company is Skyline Enterprises, which is out of San Francisco. And we have other sister companies similar to uh, Chris's, one in Chicago, which is Ascend. And uh, we also have Skyline Capital Builders here out of the Bay Area that does our ground up work. Great, great. So what's interesting about what both of you said of just a couple of minutes ago, Chris, so you've been you've been a, a, aware of the company, but part of the enterprise essentially as of you know Q1 of this year. Renee, you started in January 1st of this year. I bet when you were contemplating <laughs> your new roles, the the world did not quite look like the way it does or the way it unfolded over the next couple of months. Tell us a little bit about sort of where the construction world was at the end of 2019 and sort of how it looked into 2020. And then we'll jump into a little bit of, you know, how it all uh, evolved uh, since you joined. Not that it's all your fault. I, I'm not going to blame you guys. <laughs> Oh, well, 2019 looked really good. The uh, company uh, finished off the year meeting all the year-over-year goals of growth and revenue and profit. Uh, so 2019 was was very, very good for Skyline across the board. And for Unimark uh, as well, we hit our 2019 goals for sales uh, and earnings and uh, had a tremendous amount of backlog into 2020. We had approximately $40 million of backlog coming into this year, and then we hit our little little bump in the road. Yeah, so tell us about that little bump. So what, what did that mean for, for, for the company? Obviously, you know, since COVID-19 broke out, you know, first everything stopped and things started slowly moving back to allowing construction and job sites to be open again. How does the world differ today than it did, let's say, in January, even December, in terms of how you guys work? And give us a little bit of a sense, you know, a, you know, a day in the life of a, of a, of a contractor. Well, it, it definitely took a, a little bit of getting used to as contractors, as tenant improvement contractors. We really focus on getting in and out of a project. That's really how we, how we make our money. And what's happened with COVID is a slowing down of the pace of the work that we do. It's been very challenging for our field staff predominantly to manage that process 
in order to to maintain all the the restrictions and the protocols that have been put in place as a result of uh, this COVID that we're living in. Yeah, here in the Bay Area, we were going to look at uh, one of our best years as far as uh, our backlog and revenue going into it. We were up at about $400 million projected, and obviously that slid quite a bit. But the nice part is the the work slid, didn't go away for the most part, kind of adds to the backlog for next year. Uh, but it, it it's basically the same things that Chris has said. Uh, it did uh, put some new challenges in front of us, definitely. Yeah, tell us about those. You know, is it how how did you guys decide to you know open back up? Was it obviously? I imagine it's harder, but you know, you know how how did your employees react? What are some of the things that you guys put into place to you know make them feel comfortable? What are some maybe you know new things that they now have to be aware of as they come to the job site and and just the overall approach to work? Well, let me go back a little bit. You know, we having all the companies and having all these presidents to lean on and really create a, a think tank really helped us out when uh, COVID was being talked about uh, here in late February and March. We really all got together and started to plan and prepare. And I think that really, really helped us quite a bit. Uh, so when we actually shut down, we were able to do so very quickly. Uh, we kept everybody uh, on the payroll and we worked uh, throughout uh, the shutdown. That first shutdown came about here in the Bay Area, very restrictive, more so than the rest of the state. And we stayed on course for the first three weeks. And then obviously it got extended out for roughly another five, six weeks. Here in early May, we started back up. The restrictions uh, that came out of the six counties here in the Bay Area Again, we're more restrictive than anywhere else in the state, and I think anywhere else in most of the country. Um, there were special requirements as we went ahead and opened up project sites. Uh, there were special restrictions for projects over 20,000 square feet we had to deal with. Uh, for example, we had to have a third-party consultant come out, walk the job sites, and make sure that we were adhering to all the rules and regulations that came out, and we did so. Uh, so it, it we did have those uh, new procedures in place. We were well prepared for it, and we took the time during the downtime to really get ready for it. Yeah, the one thing I would add to that, Vlad, is you know construction. We we also we also we we have a certain amount of PPE that we already mandate of our people in the field. So to be quite honest, it was adding a few steps in order to get into the projects, wearing a face mask getting your temperature taken. And I think, honestly, the, the biggest issue that, that we've seen is, is the impacts of the social distancing. Many, many cases throughout our world, we have guys working side by side, hand in hand, and we've got to take a look at how those tasks are being performed and really take a step back and, and dial in on how to, how to make it safer, limiting the amount of people in a certain area and uh, adding duration to the project. How much uh, new training did you guys have to administer? You know, the, the nice part, and like Chris said, it's no different than what we do on a regular basis with our personnel, is they're always looking at the job tasks that they're, they have in front of them. They're looking and making sure that they understand the hazard with it. Uh, they understand the safety protocols. So all we did is took that and implemented like we would do any job safety analysis that we would perform and make sure that they adhere to it. So there was some training that was required, 
but all in all, the, the nice part is everybody understands that uh, safety is a key component to construction, and they all embraced it. Yeah, and I imagine in, in a construction, and I haven't done construction, so I can't claim that I know what it's like, but I imagine, you know, you're you're sort of, you know, surrounded by workers who do a lot of hard work and kind of, um, you know, rely on 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 their, you know, self-confidence to get it done. So ha- have, have you found them to be, you know, responsive to new training and sort of versus like, I, I you know, I got this, we know, we know we can manage this. How, how has that attitude changed also given... Um, sort of the seriousness of the of the pandemic. Like anything, I think it's definitely been a culture shift for some of the guys in the field. You know, trying to get them to wear the face masks and get their temperature taken, yeah. and just sometimes just slow down. I mean, it, it's really counterintuitive to everything that they've been told to do as far as a production standpoint. So, I think that's been the biggest thing is it's, it's okay to slow down. It's okay. We're going to give you additional time on the schedule. And, and we've really tried to press upon the offices, the field staff or the office staff of the, the subcontractors to let them know that, you know, we're going to give them the opportunity to get their work done in a safe manner. And that's going, and we're just going to allow more time on the job which was kind of a surprise to a lot of them. It's, it's, like I said, it's, it's uh, definitely a step back from where we've been. Yeah, I bet. For, for you guys, you are sort of spread across the West Coast. There, you, you, you have an operation in the Midwest also, but I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I think Southern California probably had some of the restrictions lifted faster. Is that correct? And then Maybe the Puget Sound region and the Bay Area were a little bit kind of behind maybe the rest of the country and the rest of the sort of um, West Coast West Coast markets. How has coordinating your messaging and communicating with your employees and sort of workers, has that been difficult given that, that, that there was an uneven kind of, you know, sense of getting getting back to work? No, I, I, I don't believe so. I think that although we were planning a lot of things and I was leaning on people like Chris for advice. Everybody was taking everybody else's lessons learned if we open up an office uh, earlier than the other. But no, I, I think it worked well. It's personally when we have presidents of each region. So Chicago has a president. They are in charge of that region. They understand the local regulations and requirements and uh, no different than I do here in the Bay Area. So you guys mentioned this was um, obviously a a big disruptor for for the industry. Um, as you as you look throughout, and, and not just Skyline, but you know throughout the sort of construction industry as a as a whole, how big is the dent that that this is going to put overall? I wish we could tell you. I wish we had that crystal ball. I think that's I think that's the biggest concern we have. Everyone is still in a wait and see mode, uh, waiting to see when companies get back integrated into their offices, waiting to see what happens with the lease rates as a result. Rental, um, it, it's 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 the elephant in the room right now. Yeah, to be perfectly honest. You know, we're we're cautious. Certainly, we're not seeing the RFPs, RFQs uh, that we saw a year ago in talking to the architects that are really the front line to give us an indication on where the market's going to go, they're seeing less of activity. So definitely this year is uh, being cautious. You know, our revenue, like I said earlier, shifted. So it's still there for the most part. 
uh, for this year, it's uh, 2021 that we're really concerned with. And again, I, I think we're going to really just service the clients and hopefully we get some of that repeat client work that we get year over year uh, and help us help us through that 2021 period. Yeah. Has that also given you an opportunity to, you know, maybe focus on some new sectors, maybe things that you as a company haven't done before? You know, in the Bay Area, there's a couple of good pivot points for us, and it is really uh, going into some of the markets that we don't have a great market share in. And South San Francisco has a great life science market, uh, as well as healthcare. And although we've done a fair amount of work in both those market sectors, we think we could capture more of that. So we're going to be focusing in a little bit more here uh, in the near future. Yeah. So um, in 2019, and, and, and this obviously happened as, as a result of, of, of those efforts during, during this year, but, but you know, the company has expanded into, into Seattle, uh, Chris, with, with the acquisition of uh, your company and then the acquisition of the company in also Chicago. Do you foresee that there will be more acquisitions, uh, that the industry is going to consolidate further because of that, and if so, what, where, where, where does that put put Skyline? You know, is there an opportunity for you guys to jump into some new markets potentially? How how do you see that playing out? Well, I think as we kind of look at the rest of 2020, it's uh, we're going to kind of take a wait and see approach. We're going to continue to deal with COVID and what it deals with us. But I think I do think 2021 is a we will probably begin to seek more geographic expansions. I think the David is pretty bullish that the M&A pricing will be very favorable. And um, we'll look probably to the Southern California, maybe Phoenix, Dallas regions for possible expansion. Yeah, let me add uh, to what Chris said, you know, Southern California market is, is great. Uh, obviously, I know it, uh, having spent 28 years here, and it is one of the things David Hayes, the CEO, and I have talked about at great lengths. Uh, we have talked to companies to acquire, and you know we're we're always looking. But I think, like Chris said, we're we're kind of just on hold, taking a look at how the marketplace goes here for the next uh, year. So, so I wanted to kind of explore this this whole notion of um, you know innovation, and one of the things that that we think. You know, times like these, when there's a crisis or there's a, there's a reset in the market, I think this is when you know companies that are successful and enduring are you know really able to find ways to you know sort of create new new services and new offerings and 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 things like like that. I mean, this is sort of the thing that you know makes them successful in the in the next cycle. Where is the focus of you know Skyline as a, as an enter- enterprise broadly to sort of help bridge you guys into into the next um, you know, into the next period. Well, let me let me talk about the current period because it, COVID has changed a little bit of our technology, and we're starting to obviously everybody's using more of the Zoom or Teams meetings, uh, but we're also using a lot of the open space technology, which is a lot of the capturing the videos, uh, so people remotely can work. Um, and obviously, that that may go into a longer period of time that we have to use software like that and technologies like that just to adapt to the new social distancing and allow owners and clients, architects to be part of these uh, teams uh, remotely. 
we're always looking for the new advancements as it relates to all the technologies from flash detection all the way through. So we're always exploring. We're always looking at that new innovation to see what will uh, jump us forward. The other the other piece to that is I think we'll we'll be able to look at some vertical services. Uh, ServiceMark is a company, a sister company to Unimark. So we may look at deploying that business model out to uh, our existing business units to help service our existing clients as well. Yeah, and tell us a little bit about about ServiceMark, Chris. ServiceMark is a tenant services provider. We have in-house electricians, painters, carpenters, laborers. We do our demountable wall installations out of ServiceMark as a self-perform piece of work. So it's really a service that is utilized by property managers, building engineers, and a lot of end users such as uh, Google, a little bit of Microsoft, any type of campus type work. It helps keep us sticky with the clients, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, no, that that makes sense. Um, employment was kind of a big deal prior to COVID. It was very difficult to find workers. I know that um, a lot of construction companies had struggled with that, maybe slightly different now. How has the face of employment in the industry changed now? I think it's still as challenging as it ever was. I think if if anything else, it's for myself, I, I see some additional challenges with what COVID has brought to the workforce. We have we have an aging workforce. Unimark has some some older carpenters, carpenter foremen, supervisors in the field, and they have elected to kind of sit on the sidelines a little longer until there's you know the contact tracing or a vaccination or something in place that gives them more of a comfort that they're not not going to get sick. Yeah. So so the ch- challenge is based on sort of age, right? And making sure that they're able to go back to work, essentially. Exactly. Yeah. And does that put a lot of stress on, um, you know, in terms of your organization and having those experience, you know, people that, that have the legacy of understanding how to run a business? Um, does, does that then, you know, put a strain on the works job sites? Well, it does because there's not enough younger workforce coming into the industry to take the place of those that, that aging workforce. So uh, to be perfectly honest, I mean, we, we need to do a better job of getting out into the community and generating some sort of interest in our industry. It is unfortunate. You know, you, you think about the day when I was in high school, even back then we had, we had shop class, but uh, as far as I know, that's, that's a thing of the past. Yeah. Uh, although it, it sounds like what you you and Renee were saying with the advent of technology in the in in the space, this might be kind of a good a good time for some of that transition to happen, also, right? Because you you will probably have workers who are more adept at using technological tools, right, in their in their everyday lives. So perhaps in their work as well. From that standpoint, it's probably a good thing, but we still need people on on site putting the work in place, and that's the challenge. Yeah. So as you guys look at what is happening throughout throughout the industry now, and obviously you've you've been around where you've experienced you know a couple of these cycles, what are some of the big lessons learned that you know from from that experience that you can apply to what you do today? Well, you know some of the lessons learned that that I've had uh, over the years when somebody's 
the, the economy goes down is releasing people. And um, the one nice part, being an ESOP company, we really made a conscious decision to keep all of our employees employed. And, you know, all our management sta- staff stayed on. And that's huge because when the spigot got turned back on for work, although we didn't, there was a lot of unknowns and we didn't exactly know where it was going to go and whether projects were going to open up again, we took that chance. They did open up and we did need all those people. And we were able to make sure that we serviced our customers. So it's really not having that knee-jerk reaction. It's really studying where we go and how we face the this dip uh, and where we pivot. I think you, you asked the question on where we pivot and what we do. I think you just study it. I, uh, the beauty of it is, you know, from our COO uh, to our CEO to all the presidents, and I'm able to really talk to them and go through what I'm going through in the Bay Area and get some very good feedback on where to go with it. And we all bring our knowledge back. We all understand what it was when I first graduated out of school in 92 and the market was bad to, you know, the early 2000s to 08. Um, So it's really studying that and seeing where we go. Just don't know exactly where this one's going to go because, you know, there's different predictions, whether it's a V-shaped recovery and we're there, or is it a W and we're going to hit a second wave of covid it's, it's very unpredictable right now. So it is a little bit more cautious for us uh, this time around. Interesting. I was thinking about this this weekend. I think back uh, back to both 9-11 and the, and the crash. I mean, both of those instances had a, a very lasting, forever lasting mark on us as, a, as an industry and, and as a society. And, and if you would have told me you know, four months ago that there's going to be this virus that's going to come shut the United States down. I probably would have laughed you out of the room. And it's just hard to say what what's going to come out of this. It's it's um, I don't know. It's it kind of gives me a pretty uneasy feeling, to be perfectly honest. Um, I, I would like to think that we are not we're not so controlled by a virus. It's it's kind of uh, scary in certain times. Yeah, we'd much rather be controlled by sort of market drivers, right, than uh, something something that we can't even see or feel or anything, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so with 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 that in mind, you know, as you look into the you know next five years, ten years, how do you envision the commercial you know real estate building environment? Do you do you see fewer companies? Do you see Kind of a new, evolving, emerging uh, construction industry. Uh, wh- where do you think you know that that's going to lead us? I I don't see the construction industry changing that dramatically as far as how we how we put work in place in the field. I believe our industry, from a from a office standpoint, is going to change significantly. I think the work from home is going to have a big impact. I think coming out of this, we are going to lose some contractors for sure, and possibly some contractors that have been in business for many, many years. It's hard to say. It's it's a very unfortunate piece of this. Uh, very similar. Um, you know, we for, as it relates to other general contractors, I, I think a lot of them pull their money out every every year and don't have a good amount set aside for a rainy day like we're having. So I don't think we're going to have the competition there that we have today. 
Uh, but, you know, as as usual, there'll be other companies that sprout out, uh, especially as the economy recovers and goes forward. Yeah. And let me ask that question in a sort of slightly positive way. What are you most optimistic about <laughs> over, yeah, the, over the next <laughs> five or 10 years? <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm always optimistic on the construction. I mean, obviously, you've done, done it a lot of years and there's always a great recovery. It's, it seems to always grow. You know, the technology companies that we deal with, they're always growing. They're always innovative. Uh, yeah. They're always hiring the best and brightest people. The Bay Area, uh, for speaking for myself, is just a great hub for this, you know, all these great minds to come together in one area and really develop some just some great companies. And, you know, everything spawns off of them. So our marketplace, I'm really optimistic on it continuing to grow, continuing to be that big hub of technology. A lot of it we use and uh, just just great. I'm looking forward to the next five, 10 years. Yeah. Chris, I imagine the same for you in Seattle and Pacific Northwest. Oh, most definitely. I'm I am extremely optimistic about just being part of the Skyline organization, seeing where we can take Unimark and Skyline family companies in the future. I think the opportunities are endless. I think the the ESOP is a is a great model, and I uh, can't wait to see the benefits that it affords us moving forward. Great. Awesome. Well, Chris, Renee, thank you both for your time. Stay safe and uh, best of luck in your work. Thank you, Vlad. Thank you. Take care. 